0: And Welcome back to episode four, The Birth Story. The time has finally come after a couple weeks of teasing and last week's episode about Kardashian-ing a baby out of one's body. And I'm going to tell you the birth story of my first experience giving birth with my daughter. This is Timely, and I'm choosing to post this episode tonight because this week, somehow, magically, unbelievably, my little baby is turning seven years old. I know that dramatic pregnant pause was because how is this possible? My baby is turning seven. That's so grown up, and she's so grown up, and she's so beautiful and amazing, but she's my baby. And so the time has finally come because I've mentioned before that both of my birth stories were definitely unique, absolutely unexpected, and a little bit zany. And I'm going to do my best in light of our Little snafu that we had with podcast number three, where I had to record it twice after losing the first go around. Um, I'm going to try to keep this brief, but during this past week, my sister actually did the best impersonation of me that I think I've heard, which is kind of in jest explaining how I tell a story. And even this is. A perfect example and really, really illustrates her point. And she basically said that my stories like go from not A to B, but from or A to Z, but like A to F to G to did you know that during G did and did mom tell you that she had this conversation and she ran into this person? and that made me think about a again and we would before I tell you about Z, I need to give you the backstory, but let me just tell you a quick aside because, and I'll put an ellipsis there because I could go on and on. So I'm going to try to work on my brevity. It is not my strong suit. I will try to make this short, but definitely sweet. So there are two real reasons why I'm inspired tonight. My podcast, so you know, and to reiterate, are always totally organic and completely natural, which I'm sure you can kind of sense considering some of the things that come out of my mouth. I never have a script. They're all done in one take. They're done off the cuff because I like to talk. So it's kind of the perfect vehicle for me. Writing is also awesome and gives me time to really be thoughtful and edit. But speaking is a different layer of, you know, being natural and having things come out organically. And so I cannot promise that this story will go through the alphabet from A to Z, but I'm going to do my best to get there and to get there in a fairly reasonable manner. Tonight, tonight before bed, my daughter and I snuggled up under her covers And she pulled out a book and said, thanks so much for getting this for me, mom. I've been reading it a lot lately. And I didn't know what she was talking about, but I looked over and it was the book called Love You Forever. And if you don't know this book, stop right now, walk, do not run to your nearest bookstore, which I assume is something like amazon.com and make sure to get same day shipping because You need this book. And of course, if there is a local bookstore, definitely try to visit and shop local. But the point of this story is that I was so moved and so touched that she has been enjoying a book that moved and touched me so much in my life. And so the quick, quick backstory is that I've been loving that book Since I can remember. And when it came time for us to do a tellable tale in sixth grade, which means you basically memorize your favorite short story or children's book and then act it out for the school, I actually chose Love You Forever and was selected as the representative for all the sixth graders and acted this out in front of the entire school. And somebody actually recently mentioned the fact that they remembered that I did this for my tellable tale. And I'm pretty sure that speaking of my sister, she actually totally copied me and also did this as her tellable tale and also was chosen for the school assembly. But I sense myself going from A to Q again, so let me get back on track. So Love You Forever is this beautiful story and really heartwarming and really touching and definitely wistful and a little bit sad, but also warm. And I opened the book to read it to her tonight because I thought, you know, this will be special and also kind of timely with some personal things going on in our lives right now. And there was an inscription written in the inside cover and it said to my dearest Kenny, I'll love you forever forever. I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living my, and some lovely adjective, I actually don't remember what it was, you'll be, but it was some touching note. And it said, thank you so much for loving me. And I hope to read this to our future children someday. And it was signed by me to Kenny, my husband, in 2007. We had just gotten engaged. We were going to be married and ultimately were married in 2008. And we had my daughter in 2010. So it was so crazy because, first of all, to think that I wrote that inscription to him 10 years ago, and also that I wrote it about these future children that I was hoping that we would have together. And then so incredible to actually have this materialize and to read it to. Our daughter tonight and even my son once I started reading kind of got in and peeked around and then curled up next to us so I had my two kids and after I finished reading they asked me to rock them back and forth back and forth like they do in the story and so my son was first and then my daughter got into my arms and she's petite but she's still about to be seven so she's not a small child anymore And I held her in my arms in her little nightgown, and I said, "I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living." And I could not get the words out. And she said, "It's okay, mommy. Just cry. Just let it out. Just cry for me." And I was like, "Oh my God, you're so my child." And she was stroking my hair, and she said, "You know, are you crying happy?" And I said, "Of course I'm crying happy. It's just that." you are my dream come true. And it's so hard for me to believe that you are this little baby that I dreamed of. And then I had, and it really brought me back. And the last thing I'll say about love you forever before diving into her birth story is this 10 years ago, I gave my husband this book for a reason. When we first started dating in 2006, he came over to visit at my parents' house one day, and I saw this in my room, in my old bedroom, and I said something like, you know, have you read this book, my favorite children's book, and he had not read it, and so I read it to him and he cried. Now, he was a 24-year-old young man at the time, and we sat there on the floor of my childhood bedroom crying together. And Pardon my emotions now, but that's when I knew that not only did I love him and want to marry him, which I had already figured out from our first date, but I knew that I wanted to make a family with him. And I knew that I wanted him to be the father of the babies to whom I'd read this book someday in my greatest dreams. And that really, really cemented things for me in a very, very beautiful and profound way. And I know that in the early stages of blogging, I wrote a blog post about it. So if you want to read more about that story, since I told it, you know, only 85% of that story, you can definitely go on the blog and search for love you forever. And I'm sure you'll get a couple hits and definitely the story of the initial love you forever, realizing that I was going to love him forever story. But let me just begin the birth story with the fact that I got pregnant with my daughter in July of 2009. It was truly a dream come true. When I found out that I was pregnant, I was absolutely elated. I will, in the future, go into more of the backstory behind that. And let me just say again that the way that my overall Mommy Ever After story is presented on the blog, in the book, as it stands, unless I hear differently from the publisher who has the manuscript as of now, my story is divided into three sections, a happy story, and then a hard story, and then a hopeful story. And so my happy story has tons of information and tons of the vignettes and anecdotes and all of that from the before. Everything kind of before I got pregnant with my son. And I hate to say it that way because he is such an integral part of my happiness and my, the happiness that's in my life right now. But that's just how it, it makes sense because with him, my life did take a huge like screeching turn in a different direction and not a bad one. It's not been an easy one, but it definitely veered off course and took me in this new direction, for which I am actually grateful because I get to be here today. So when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter in the summer, late summer of 2009, I was very happy. I did not have the same kind of anxiety that I spoke about In my St. Patrick's Day, episode two of the podcast, uh, when I was pregnant with my son, I was so excited and I did everything I could to follow all of the pregnancy rules. So I didn't eat any deli meat. I didn't drink any alcohol. I made sure that everything was within the expiration date, which is a habit that has stuck with me. Sometimes it's annoying for my friends and family members, but I really was very careful and I would say it made me just vigilant in my pregnancy with her. But I was also like a little bit paranoid about things just because that pregnancy meant so much to me. So I had my blood levels checked all the time in the beginning and fortunately because of the practice that I was seeing, I was able to see the baby grow from Six weeks to seven weeks to eight weeks, you know, and then when I switched to my regular OB, it started to become more sporadic, but I was able to see her on ultrasound going from this tiny little grain of rice with a flicker, meaning that she had a beating heart to this tiny little teddy bear with a spine that looked like railroad tracks and arm buds. And then it was just just amazing. Everything about it was just really, really beautiful. And we originally decided actually to wait and not find out the sex of the baby. I don't know what I was thinking. And I'm going to say something. I'm going to make a bold statement right now. And I am a firm believer that everybody should do things in a way that makes them feel comfortable. But I really believe that for me, it was the best decision ever to change my course And find out the sex of the baby. Because the main argument that I hear from people who don't find out the sex of their baby is that they want to be surprised and there's no greater surprise in the world. And I totally get that. And I really can't speak from experience because I never had that where I was surprised in the delivery room or the operating room as it were for me. But I will tell you that when I found out during my 20 week anatomy scan during which time the tech said, you know, now it's time to see if it's a boy or a girl. Are you sure you don't want to know? And my mom was with us and my husband and I were like, do we want to know? I don't know. Do we want to know? I'm not sure. And then finally we're like, you know what? Let's just find out. When they showed us her little underside area and my husband said, uh, there's nothing there. And the tech said, Here's three lines. And I was like, oh my God, I know what three lines means. We're having a girl. And I said, we're having a daughter. We're going to get to plan a wedding someday. I will tell you that I experienced an incredible amount of shock, awe, and I did feel so surprised. And in fact, I think that had I found out that she was a girl during the actual birth, it would have been almost like information overload for me. So not only would I have found out that she was a girl, but I would have found out like who she was and, you know, finalized her name and all of that. And so for me, it was great to have these things spread out. Now, the cool thing that we did, this is the days before, you know, the big gender reveals and I kind of missed out on that, which I'm a little bummed about. But in any case, we did wait to tell people until I was about 31 weeks pregnant. So I did get to announce it in a way that felt big to me. So to me, I was like, you know, I get to have multiple announcements. First, I get to announce that I'm pregnant. Then I get to tell people that it's a girl. And then finally, when she's born, I'll get to tell them, you know, the name and the, her stats and all of that. So without going too far into the pregnancy, I'll just say, you know, I had a pregnancy that was relatively normal and I had it in my head that I was going to have natural childbirth. I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Um, it's actually quite extraordinary compared to my emotional pain tolerance, which is very low, but when it comes to physical pain, I just like am really strong and tough. And so, my mom had two hard, fast labors with me and with my sister. And so the OB said, you know, while there's no guarantee and while we have no crystal ball, it's a good indication that you'll probably be able to do the same. And I was planning on having my husband and my mom in the delivery room with me. And I worked with my grandfather, my dad's dad, who has had extensive training in hypnobirth. He's a physician and he's done a lot of hypnosis for medical purposes. And so I was training for hypnobirth and I had like my tapes down and everything. I knew what to listen to. I got in the zone and I was really ready for it. My birth plan was, you know, have whatever intervention I need to make the baby safe, but we're going to go with the hypnobirth. So And no drugs, no epidural. Well, you know what they say, we make plans and then, you know, dot, dot, dot. So fast forward to being nine months pregnant and I was very ready to give birth. I was very big. I was very uncomfortable and I was just very ready. And I had been having very strong Braxton Hicks contractions for months that tightened my belly up and contorted my stomach into crazy shapes. So I figured like this would definitely serve to do what it's supposed to do to my body, you know, soften my cervix, you know, thin things out, open things up. And as I've said before, many times, my body never opened at all, ever, Neither of my babies engaged in my pelvis. They didn't seem to like it down there. So despite having contractions and being in labor and all this, which I'll get into, never happened for me. So I remember it being a Wednesday night and my contractions getting stronger and a little bit more regular. So this is Wednesday evening and I'm like, I'm going to go to bed and I think that this is on. I think it's on. So, went to sleep. The contractions were coming at regular intervals and there was a certain formula that I had to follow and it was contractions every 5 minutes lasting 1 minute for at least an hour. And this was happening. So I called the doctor and he's like, "All right, it's time to come in." So I went in and this is now Thursday. Got checked. They monitored me on the. Um, they had me all hooked up, and they were monitoring the baby's heart rate, which looked great. Monitoring my contractions, which were regular, and they kept checking me, and they kept saying, "You know, you're you're like fifty percent effaced, and we can barely even call you half a centimeter dilated." So that was frustrating, and they had me hang out for a little while because clearly I was in early labor. Um, and so they had me walk around and they checked me again and checked me again. And the doctor came in and he's like, all right, you're clearly going to be in labor like in the next 24 hours or 48 hours or something, but you're just not progressing. Now, remember, you know, the, the way that this story ends, but at this point we were all planning for regular natural old fashioned childbirth. So he was like, just I'd rather you be comfortable at home. I'm gonna see you soon. Go home, which sucks, by the way. Like waddling into the hospital, really pregnant with a pillow and being like, yeah, no, now's the time. It's awesome. And then having to waddle out holding the pillow and looking like a very large uh fool for lack of a better term. It's kind of embarrassing and demoralizing and painful in many ways. So Got home Thursday, you know, walking around the neighborhood. The contractions are not totally regular. This is a little frustrating. And so spent Thursday in early labor. Friday, I'm still contracting, still uncomfortable. But I did what almost every person does, I assume. And I went with my mom and aunt and mom to Neiman Marcus for lunch because, like, obviously... And I got a delicious lunch and we walked around the mall and my mom drove me and she was wearing a red string around her wrist that she had gotten that summer before in Cambodia. And when she got that string, she was supposed to make a wish. And she wished that I would have a baby because I had really wanted to have a baby and was trying to get pregnant at the time. And so as my mom and I drove home from the mall that day, her bracelet fell off. And I was like, mom, that's insane. Like your bracelet just fell off. And the superstition was when your bracelet falls off, your wish will come true. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm incred- I'm incredibly superstitious. So she made the wish that I'd have a baby. The bracelet falls off. I'm like, okay, another great sign. And I went home from the mall and I put my feet up and it was four in the afternoon on Friday and I felt water. It was not an explosion. It was not like in the movies. Um, not a huge pop or burst, but I felt water leak out from under me. And I called the doctor and they said, okay, your membranes have ruptured. I remember them saying that. So, you know, don't shower, not like you are considered open. So come on in. So raced back to the hospital brought my pillow, waddled back in, put myself on the monitor and they checked the heart rate was still looking good, still contracting. Zero centimeters dilated, 50% effaced. Two days later had still not progressed at all and my water had broken. Now here is where the interesting part of the story comes in. I will swear to this day, And forever that my water broke that day when the resident came in, she said to me, no, you just peed yourself. And I said, no, I did not. And she said, no, I know it's really hard to feel at this time, like this stage in your pregnancy, but your water didn't break. I'm doing an ultrasound and there's plenty of amniotic fluid around the baby. And so your water just your water didn't break because she did the exam and she just felt that my water had not broken. And I was positive that I had not peed myself. And how many times do you get to say that in life? Well, in any case, I think because of the stress, my blood pressure went up at that time, which can be something alarming in pregnancy. So they took my blood and other things, but they were more concerned about that than the fact that I was having contractions and my water had broken. And so I said to the nurse, like, um, you know, am I okay? And she's like, why don't we talk to the resident? And so the resident came back in. I will never forget this. And I said, my blood levels look okay. And she just shook her head. No. (laughs) And it was like, so somber and so serious. But it turns out everything was fine with me and they sent me home. Did you hear that? They sent me home. They told me my water hadn't broken and they sent me home. And so I was dejected and I was like, come on, my water broke. Like no one believed me. Well, the next day I woke up again, still contracting, but my baby had stopped moving. And this is very hard to talk about. And let me just say now, if you are pregnant, listening to this, I do not want to scare you in any way because as you know, my daughter is fine, but I don't ever want to say something. I don't usually tell my pregnant friends this story as part of the story and everything because it can be a scary thought to have. So disclaimer, stop listening now if you're pregnant, although you know the spoiler alert, baby's fine. She's sleeping in her bed right now, two rooms away from me. But my baby stepped moving. Um, however, I did not. So I, long story short, walked around, got a pedicure. And when I was sitting in the pedicure station, I was next to a woman and we got to talking and I found out that she was a, doc- a doctor actually at the hospital where I was delivering. And she is an internist, but She was super warm, and I said, you know, I know that this is not your specialty, but you're a doctor. You went to medical school. My baby's not really moving. Is that okay? And she said to me, you know, I would probably go in and get checked if she's still not moving in like an hour or so. Now, I credit this woman, and believe it or not, I was text messaging with her today, seven years later, so she's still in my life, and you'll see why. So my husband and I walked around a local outdoor shopping area and still contracting. I'm so uncomfortable. I don't even know which end is up. And I got a phone call, which is one of those phone calls that you don't want to get. And my mom called me and she said, Becca, there's been an accident. And what had happened was my aunt and I had said that I we'd gone to lunch the day before, My mom's sister, with whom I've always been really close, and who's a very small person, was parking her car in a parking lot, and she had a huge SUV at the time, and went to move a traffic cone, and something was weird with the car, and she didn't put it in park correctly, and the car ran over her. And she's okay. She's fine. She's here today, thank God. But she was in bad shape. So she went and was taken to the hospital, and my mind just... Left what was going on with my body and was just really worried about what was going on with the rest of my family, and my husband and I had dinner and I got the biggest cheeseburger with the spiciest peppers, and I was like, you know, something's got to give. This is crazy. I'm still not having any more signs of labor, and they're I'm not going back in. They're just going to send me home, but the baby's still not moving. And at nine o'clock Saturday night. So remember, this started Wednesday. Saturday night still contracting. I still hadn't felt the baby move. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? The words from the doctor at the pedicure salon were ringing in my ear and I called the on-call doctor. It was not my doctor. i had only seen my doctor who was a sole practitioner throughout my entire pregnancy. And yet I had to call this other doctor and I didn't know her at all. And she said, you know, I think everything's probably fine. But, you know, if you're worried, it's up to you. Use your intuition, which I hate, by the way, when people say that because it makes me nervous. But come in if you want to come in. And it was like as soon as I made the decision to come in, I had been dilly-dallying the entire day. But as soon as I made the choice to come in, I could not get in fast enough. We raced to the hospital. I didn't bring my mom. I didn't bring my stuff. I raced to the hospital and into that bed to get on the monitor And I heard her heart beating and I was like, thank God she's okay. But they weren't seeing the proper accelerations. So she wasn't having decelerations, but she was not, you know, as active and they were saying she was sleepy. So they gave me IV glucose and they gave me, um, cranberry juice to drink to try to kind of wake her up and nothing was really working. And when the doctor was watching this from her home, she got a little bit alarmed. So she came in. So I definitely made the right call by going in. And as I was sitting there on the hospital bed, I felt a familiar feeling, a little bit of water from coming out from under me. And so I just very cavalierly mentioned this to the nurse. And I said, you know, they told me that my water hadn't broken the day before. They said I just peed myself, which I know I didn't. But like, just so you know, like I feel the same exact feeling I felt yesterday. You might just want to check. So she checked. Still, of course, not dilated or faced at all. But she did a test with like one of those little litmus pieces of paper, and the next thing I saw was an IV pole being wheeled into the room, and she said, oh, yes, your water is broken, and you're here to stay. And so that was the most exciting and terrifying and insane news, because I was like, first of all, I told you my water had broken, and second of all... It was, it was on, it was happening and I was going to be having the baby and the contractions really, really started to get, get stronger and stronger. But when the doctor examined me, they still weren't getting a great read on the baby's fetal heart rate. And so she decided to put, and I'm going to make this as not graphic as possible, but she was going to put an internal fetal heart monitor on the baby's head. And I'm sure you can imagine how one has to go about accessing a baby's head at that point. And in reaching in, she couldn't reach the baby's head because my baby was so far up inside of me still. And because she reached in, that's when I had the huge movie scene like water breaking. And so my water broke and they saw that there was some meconium in the water. So my water had broken let me just say, had broken before, but this was like the huge burst. They saw meconium and they said, okay, your baby's in distress. She needs to come out. And I was like, um, I've been saying this for three days, but okay, I agree. So the doctor at first said, why don't we push Pitocin and, you know, really to try to get this moving. And I said, like all of a sudden this thing happened and came over me. And I went from, as you remember, The most natural, bouncing on a birthing ball, hypnobirth planning, natural childbirth woman to being like, I've been having contractions for three days on the monitor. You can see how strong they are and I am not opened or effaced or softened at all. And the baby's in distress. She needs to come out now. And the doctor looked at me and she said, you're right. And so all of a sudden the nurse said to me, she grabbed my hand and she said, I've never seen a first time mom make such a sound decision because I went from natural childbirth to I need a C-section, which was like the opposite of my birth plan. But my baby needed to come out and she needed to come out pronto. And I am going to leave you there because the next part of the story Gets even more crazy and more exciting and we know that it has a happy ending, but I will just tell you that you're going to have to wait. And so I'm going to leave you now. I'm going to go kiss my babies one more time while I watch them dream and I'll be back soon. Be well and thank you so much again for listening and I will be back soon. Bye. (music)